Welcome! This is the Gutter Response here with episode 2. Uh, about two months after we recorded episode 1, uh, we did the smart choice of recording our inaugural episode literally right before the holidays when all everybody's schedules are hectic. We were super busy, slammed. But now here it is in January. Uh, we're back and. We are the Go To Response. I am Marvin Reyna. I'm Michael Garisich. It's and a new year. New products from the Magic the Gathering line of stuff. Um, currently, we are in the midst, 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 midst of uh, the Dominaria Remastered or Darien. Dominaria. <laughs> Darien Remastered. Yes, Darien was remastered. The Dominaria Remastered preview event where. Uh, I don't know if it's all stores or just premium stores are getting uh, enough product to hold some drafts and uh, prize out with the packs. And this is, of course, another reprint set with a lot of powerful cards in it. A lot of cards that required um, some reprints. Uh, Some of them are funny. Um, Yeah, I'm really surprised that uh, Wizards actually created a set that's that's both good to draft and just has decent value, and it doesn't cost a whole lot. Like, so, I think uh, I saw the professor did a video just the other day, and uh, when you buy a box of the set, it's only, like, $4.68 a pack for each, like, for this set. And it comes with, like, the regular amount of booster bo- or booster packs in a, in a box, which is unusual for Wizards. I mean, they're all, like, like Time Spower Remastered, was a fantastic set, but it was also expensive. Um, this one's actually a little bit cheaper. I mean, geez, at its at its height, you were paying like eleven bucks a pack for Time Spiral Remastered. This one's, I think, they're usually retail about uh, what, like six bucks a piece at you know the very most. And even so, you can get like we're looking on TCG right now, and we're seeing that uh, boxes are like only one hundred eighty bucks, um, which is fantastic especially if you want to draft the set because that's i mean that this is a draft experience um and it's catered specifically for that like yeah um uh just on friday we saw like one of our buddies drafted mono white weenie and did very well with it uh, like mono white cats uh, specifically friend of ours jacob ewing he he his deck consisted of four savannah lions um it was four savannah lions it was uh Oh, the one-two drop that uh, bounces something. I think that's what it was. But yeah, he Might ended up going going three-one in the draft. Um, but this is this is a very nostalgic set. So you're getting a uh, couple cool reprints here, um, old cards. You have Force of Will, uh, which is getting a new art. It's getting two new yeah, arts. Yeah, two new arts. Um, Richard Kane Ferguson's the the full art, which is. It's a little hard to read. It actually kind of looks like a JoJo character. <laughs> it does look like a JoJo character. Oh. But, but it, it's it's all great. I mean, the value in this set is already crazy high. Uh, with even it, which is hilarious to me, the old bordered Force of Will is one hundred and fifty four dollars currently on TCG, and OG Force of Wills in decent shape are like seventy. Which, yeah. that's crazy to me, because still, I'm still a huge fan of the originals. And then the other art, which will come in the regular border and old border, uh, by Donato Giancola, 
Um, I like this art. It, it's kind of a nod to oh, the previous art, not not the original Therese Nielsen, um, but the last one was made. <clears throat> you see um, the character, which to me kind of looks like uh, Niambi, which is Teferi's daughter, somewhat. Um, just forcing away what looks like a black lightning bolt and a fireball, like, you know, with the sphere surrounding and, um, I don't know, I like the art. I like the old border as well, which, which, this goes to show, like, my dumbness. I, I recently built, uh, Death Shadow and Legacy, and I needed forcibles, and I, my, <clears throat> my goal was to try to make the whole deck, or as much as possible, old border, um, because... I, I, I like old border cards, you know, starting sure. in 94. And then I was looking at these forcibles. I was like, damn, like these were, when I first looked it up, they were pre-ordering at uh, $169 a piece. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's expensive for an old border. Like, I don't want to spend that much money. Thinking about it for about a week. And then it hit me. Forcible was printed old border originally. Yeah. That's But yeah, like this art's cool. I like it. We're getting other, um, Necessary reprints like Urza Lord High Artificer, um, which right, let's talk about that for a second because this actually does bother me. Um, so, uh, Modern Horizons Two old bordered a bunch of the cards from the original Modern Horizons, and it was a big deal. And they're specifically in foil or foil etched in that set. Um, in this set, they've reprinted those cards, which were technically Chase versions of those cards. Which, you know, typically you'd be like, okay, you know, they're good. they already have our old border of this. They're not going to reprint it because, you know, it was it was a chase card from Modern Horizons 2. Well, no, I mean, they've done it twice uh, in this set. They did it with uh, Urza and they did it with Yawgmoth, which isn't the first time that they've done a reprint of an old bordered card. They did it with Goblin Engineer, specifically in Time Spiral Remastered and in um, Modern Horizons 2. Which is disappointing. But they're doing it here again, which is even more disappointing to me. But that I guess that's my only gripe with the set, is is that specific... Uh, I'm going to call it a blunder. It's a blunder. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. See, what I, what I don't like is they, they reprinted uh, Urza and Modern Horizons 2 in the old border, but only available in the foil or foil-edged. Yeah. Um, if, if there's people that... that don't like foils. There's people that like foil etch. There's people that hate foil etch. There's people mm. that prefer regular foils. Um, but it's like they alienated a whole section of the community that don't aren't into foils. You know, a lot of stuff going on with foils, especially last episode. We know about you know casting upkeep, uh, collected companies. Um, but why why reprint a card? I would understand if it was uh, like from the those boxes with angels. Oh, from the vault? Yeah, like from the vaults. Like, this is a foil reprint set. Yeah. Um, all the secret layers. You can get a foil or non-foil. You pick your version you want. Yeah. Um, and then they come out like, hey, look, you're going to get old bordered Urzas. You can only get it in a certain type of foil. Like, Oh, I thought that was like, dumb to begin with. Sure. Yeah, that, um, that's where they messed up. This is, to me, kind of like a them repairing that. Um, it is a required reprint Urza, even though... Um, a lot of Urza decks died out after um, 
Mox Opal was banned. I mean, Mox Opal killed most of it. And then uh, Astrolabe, which yeah, Astrolabe was before was that. Um, at least I think, right? Astrolabe? No, Astrolabe died after, I think. Yeah, it did. It totally did because I still played it in the. Yeah, because Mox, uh, Mox Opal died with. Um, Oko. Oko and Faithless Looting, no? So was Faithless Looting, Looting, with... Faithless Looting was a little bit later, wasn't it? No, Faithless Looting was with. Um, Hogak. Hogak and Bridge from Yeah. Well, Bridge came. Bridge was before that. They they originally banned it or banned Bridge to try and stem the flow, yeah. and then Hogak's like, "I don't care. Yeah. Here's a Bring alter back dementia, and you die." Bridge died for Hogak's sins. Um, but we're also getting this cool, uh, cool looking. I call it the the Braveheart Urza Lord Artificer. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, full art version of the card, complete new art. Which actually does look pretty sweet. Yeah, like, the full arts of Urza and Yawgmoth both look fantastic to me. Yeah, Chris Staples here. Looks like Urza's, like, commanding a army of constructs behind him. Um, other good reprints, especially for Commander, we have here, like, Vampiric Tutor. Pretty much all the white, or the all the one-drop uh, tutors. tutors, which are fantastic. Sylvan Library is a huge reprint, and same with Urza's Incubator. Um, which is all fantastic stuff. Um, I have no complaints. No Mercy also got a reprint, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and Tomb, and Tomb's getting a reprint, which is... Cartsy's a good amount of play in, in Legacy. Um, I, I find it funny when they old border cards that were originally old bordered. Yeah, yeah. Or retro bordered, as Wizards likes to call it. Like I, I have actually <clears throat> seen one of the Sylvan Libraries in foil, and it is really sweet looking. I might have to pick one up. Dark Depths is another really good reprint in this set. Yeah, I don't, I don't like how they did the card. Uh, no, I no. saw the original art, and the center of the art is Merit Lage. Yeah, this they cropped this way too much. I guess to make it seem like he's coming up from the bottom, but yeah, that's specifically the the full art. The um, the old bordered one actually looks really cool. I'd love to get photos of those. Yeah, and then we see collector boosters are selling right now for twenty seven dollars on TCG player which is about what they are for every other set yeah and this is a reprint set knowing you're gonna get um, some awesome cards uh, nice cool looking full art world gorger dragon um, any of the tutors Urza's incubator a reprint of <laughs> old bordered birds of paradise with original art <laughs> which which I like because now I can have this in old border for Nine dollars, as opposed to how much is what is it three hundred and fifty to four hundred dollars for the beta? Oh no, it's much more than that. Oh, so it's got it's much more than that. Um, the retro border dark depths looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, I love this art. Um, done by uh, Matthias Coles. Matthias. It looks like you know, there's size. a ship that's just going to get completely obliterated by Merit Lady. Um. Not a huge fan of the full art for Birds of Paradise. Uh, no. Bird looks a little wonky. I love colorful things. Colors on it look cool. But the bird, I don't know, I think it's the neck. The neck looks a little <laughs> wonky to me. Um, Not a neck guy, Marvin. Uh, we're getting a reprint of Exploration. Last Chance. Last Chance is a big reprint. Yeah, it was one of those like really expensive cards that only had like one or two printings and then... It was a take an extra turn spell that wasn't very good because you lost. Uh, and sneak attack. Um, 
Zig Attack's a good preprint. It wasn't super expensive to begin with. I think it was around anywhere between $15 to $20 each. Um, <clears throat> still a card that sees a lot of play. Gamble. Um, new art for the full art. Little Goblin uh, looking to try out a spell for the first time. It's funny. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, overall the set is just fantastic. I can't... I can't say that Wizards been has been really like hitting it out of the park lately, but it's it's this is a, this is what they honestly needed. Uh, it might be a little bit too late though. This this honestly should have been what Magic Thirty should have been. Yes, instead of instead of those weird unplayable, hyper expensive packs, you know stuff that's only possibly good for cubes or you know people who. Theme. Kitchen table type games. This this is like going through Magic's history. This is a little bit for everyone. Oh yeah, you have stuff for Legacy, stuff for Vintage, stuff for Commander, um, even stuff for Modern. Yeah, you know, with the reprints of like Birds of Paradise um, and absolutely Urza nothing else. And Yagmoth. <laughs> but yeah, Urza and Yagmoth, Yagmoth especially in, in uh, Modern. Yeah, um, deck flies under the radar a little bit. Um, you know, it's a highly known deck. It's just a lot of clicking on MTGO. Now, one thing to note, though, this is this is all still in pre-sale mode, so a lot of this is going to tank real hard. Um, this set is going to be massively popular, I think, and uh, because of that, you know, people are going to buy it up, and prices are going to start fluctuating, and specifically, a lot of it's going to fall. Um, so we'll have to see what the market looks like in a little bit. But, yeah, uh, and a lot of it, a lot of it comes from you know TCG player. Somebody pulls a card like, "Oh, I want to sell it. I have my TCG shop. People are selling it at seventy five. I'll go to seventy three to get rid of mine." And the yeah. next person, and so on and so forth. You know, it brings down prices, which is good for you know <clears throat> um, the second market. Good for players. You know, bring costs down so everybody can play. Um, Elvish Spirit Guide. Yeah, fantastic on the common. Yeah. Reprinted. It, in foil, first time. Yeah, and, and a pretty cool art. Like, I enjoy this art. Um, it reminds me a lot of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And, it's like Ladron. She gets all weird. Yeah, so this is, as Mike stated, great set. Great set. Um, releasing next week. We're looking at, I believe, release day is the 13th? Mm-hmm. Friday the 13th. Ooh. Okay, so Spooky. to to segue from this, but also use it as an example. So people have been finding All Will Be One cards mixed in with Dominaria Remastered Draft Packs. Specifically, like there's there's been, I think, 30 cards spoiled of the new set. Uh hidden in these packs, which is hilarious to me. I think it honestly has to be intentional, because I mean, I, this is literally like viral marketing 101. Yeah. <clears throat> but I could see it as you know, maybe there's some distributors out there that got uh, their product in before letting it out. Um, and either they want to spoil some stuff, or some employees want to do some shifty things and you know, spoil some stuff. Because we see here, currently we have uh, one of the leaks pulled up, uh, Filigree Silex, but you see Dominaria packs in the background. 
Yeah. You know, they could be using that as an excuse, like, oh, they messed up Wizards and put it in this. You know, we know that Wizards' uh, quality control hasn't been up to par, but the amount of cards that have been leaked thus far, to find that many in Dominaria... And they're all rares, too. Yeah. Like, I don't think we've seen... I think maybe one or two uncommons, or no. Actually, the, all the cards that have been linked so far have been rares, at least in this this section. Like there was that section of cards that was uh, leaked that was like the the oil treatment way like, like yeah. months ago, and those were mostly uncommons. But these specifically are just the rares that we've seen. I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I, I remember seeing all all rares. You could, yeah, you could be right. I'm thinking about it because a lot of these pictures, um, I'm not gonna tell everybody exactly where to go. They're all on the front page of the internet. If you know what that is, <clears throat> um, but yeah, one of the cards we see here, and yeah, we're gonna talk about a few of the cards. So spoiler alert if you don't want to hear about spoilers. But by the time this releases and you listen to it, this set should be out completely. Um, actually, it should be spoiled. Actually, no. The actual preview season for this doesn't start until, I believe, next week? Possibly, which is going to be hilarious because we've already seen most yeah. of it. And, and it kind of sucks because it's taken away from a lot of the content creators um, in the community. A friend of ours, um, Ali Andrazi, often gets uh, cards from Wizards to spoil himself. Um, and it, it's taken away from them. It's taken away the surprise, their views, their clicks, um, which it sucks. And I don't know. It's it's just like I guess it's something to do with Phyrexia. Phyrexia just loves being leaked. Yeah, it's too oily. <laughs> that it's, too oily. <laughs> it's too oily. That's that's what happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the cards you see here, the Filigree Silex, pretty much. I would say it's an upgraded Ratchet Bomb. I personally think it is too. So it's it's a two drop artifact um, that taps to put an oil counter on the Filigree Silex. And then you sacrifice it to destroy each non-land permanent with mana value equal to the number of oil counters on the filigree silex. And then if you remove 10 oil counters from among the permanents you control and sacrifice the silex, it deals 10 damage to any target. Especially with other cards we've seen in this set, you know, with proliferating, it's it's you'd probably be able to get to 10 counters pretty quickly. Yeah, so like, it's, it's Ratchet Bomb. But instead of charge counters, it's oil counters. It's legendary. That's that's one of the differences. But honestly, you know, Ratchet Bomb is like a one or two of in sideboards. Unless you're like Prison Tron, which is not really relevant at the moment. And I think Dice count, dice Factory is the only deck that cares about them being actual charge counters. Charge counters. Yeah. Um, I like it. I, I could definitely see it, you know, getting some play. Um... Dice Factory could definitely use it with all the counters that it puts on things. You know, this could be like a two-turn clock for that deck. Could be a Power Conduit target either yeah. as well. Power Conduit's kind of neat. Um, one of the official spoilers that we had for the set uh, came from Wizards uh, during one of their previews. Uh, Kaido Dancing Shadow. Um, I don't know what he has to do with Dominaria. He's, he's from Kamigawa. And he has his Faithful Panda. Origami pan in the background of the art there. It's kind of cool. But he's a four drop, black, blue, two. Uh, whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you may return one of them to its owner's hands. If you do, you may activate loyal abilities of Kaido twice his turn rather than only once. Um, seems like a lot to get that going on. 
Um, blue black, typically known <clears throat> for more of a mid range to control type deck. Um, Except ninjas, though. I mean, this is specifically meant to be used with ninjas because it either draws you like two cards or it makes a, a guy and you can make sure someone can't block so that you can ninjutsu something in. I think that's primarily what he was going for with this one. And the abilities on it, you know, it's a, it comes in with three loyalty, plus one, up to one target creature can't attack or block until your next turn. It's a good defense, you know, it comes, kind of comes in and defends himself. Zero, draw a card. Um, I believe we have another four drop Planeswalker that does better than that, Jace. Um, and then minus two, create a two two colorless drone artifact creature token with Death Touch, and when this creature leaves the battlefield, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Which, I like that creature. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. You know, it has Death Touch, it's meant to die, whether it attacks or not, opponents are going to lose some life. Yep. Um, and that was an official spoiler from Wizards during the preview thing. Now um, we're just going to go ahead and pick out some cards that we noticed that we're going to probably see, um... Constructed play, um, specifically, you know, Commander, Pioneer, Modern, Legacy, Vintage. Eh. I don't know about that one. We'll see. Yeah, vintage oh, there's definitely going to be one Vintage play oh, yeah. card. Um, one of the cards I personally liked from from these leaks, Bloated Contaminator. I think the name of the card's hilarious. Um, it's a three drop, two and one green trample. Four four. Phyrexian Beast. So you're already getting value. It's a 4 forward trample for, for three, 3 mana. Yeah. Um, usually when you get a creature with uh, higher power toughness with abilities at a lower mana cost, it usually comes with a setback. Um, a lot of the, the, the haunteds, the haunted creatures where yep. you know you get a 5-5 five, five for 3, and, but they're getting a creature as well. Your opponent gets a creature or each opponent. Yeah, Hunted um, Wumpus. Yeah, Hunted Wumpus is one of them. This has no drawback. It has Toxic 1, which is the new, or yeah. what Wizards, I would assume, feels is what Infect should have been. Um, deals combat damage by this creature, the opponent would get one poison counter. Unless it has, like, Toxic 1, or 2, or 3. Like, yeah. it only deals it for how many Toxic counters it has. Um, but this also has, whenever Bloated Contaminator deals combat damage to a player... Proliferate. Which so, is already amazing. What's the setback of this card? There is none. What, dice the Fatal Push? Doesn't die to Bolt. Yeah. So I like this card. Um, there's Encroaching Mycosynth, which is Mycosynth Lattice. But only for you and Divided by four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It only works for you and, and I don't know, There's there's there should be some archetypes or some strategies that can use this. Um, but it costs three and a blue, and yeah, just non-land permanents you control are artifacts in addition to their other types. Uh, the same is true for permanent spells you control and non-land permanent cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. Who knows? They might see something, maybe in Commander. Mm. Okay, one that I specifically want to talk about the most, well, not the most, but close to there, is uh, Skrelv Defector Might, which is a one-drop White. Mundrak. <laughs> Legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Might. It has Toxic 1, like we talked about earlier. Uh, it can't block, but it has a Phyrexian White and tap, 
Choose a color. Another target creature you control gains toxic one and hexproof from that color until end of turn. It can't be blocked by creature of that color this turn. And it's a 1-1. One, one. So it's the fact that it's legendary and a 1-drop is huge. Um, specifically for, you know, modern, pioneer. Uh, it's not really relevant in Legacy. Um, but Mox Amber specifically works with this, which is really cool. So it allows us to brew with this a little bit more. Um, I think it probably will see... Uh, it definitely will see Modern play in one way or another. Um, I personally am going to give it a try in an Affinity list. We'll just have to see what we do with it. Uh, you can run like this in like Ragavan or this in Emery and have you know really early Mox Amber activations. Um, stuff like that. And, and the fact that the activated ability here, you could pay two life as opposed to one white mana. And it's pretty much like a um, sister of the runes. Or sister. Yeah, it's a little bit worse than giver of the runes. Yeah, giver. Um, I say sister because the artist um, chose his sister as the art. Oh, I never do that, actually. Yeah, that, that's actually um, oh, what's his name? He's he did the damnation you love. Seb McKinnon? Yeah, Seb McKinnon. So McKinnon did the art for that, and he chose his sister as the... I had no idea. Yeah, so... the I mean, the fact that it does cost two life kind of sucks, but... But uh, that's the thing. It also, you know, if you need your mana for anything, you know, I can afford two life. Let's, let's protect another one of my creatures. Sure. And on top of that, like, yeah, it can't block... Um, Giver of Runes, Mother of Runes, people weren't blocking with them either way. Um, people also weren't attacking with them. But this, at some point, you know, it has Toxic 1. It could be helpful. Um, but yeah, I definitely see it getting some play. And one thing I've noticed is, with these leaks, uh, Phyrexian Mites. The Mite themselves, it seems like there's Mite tokens as well. None of them can block. Yeah. Seems um, to be a pretty standard thing now. Uh, another one recently released here, Glissa Sunslayer. Um, I like the card. You're getting value. It's a 3-drop, three 3-3, three, three, black, green, 1, uh, with first strike and death touch. That's that's pretty big when it comes to, um, you know, fending off creatures. Um, but she also says whenever Glissa, Glissa? Glissa Sunslayer deals combat damage player, you choose one. You draw a card, lose a life. Destroy target enchantment or remove up to three counters from target permanent. Um, well, I don't see it making a huge splash. Definitely see it seeing some sort of play or at least being tested out. It might see some like uh, rock play and pioneer. Oh, I just noticed she's a Phyrexian. Yep. So she's been completed. Oh, she's been completed for a while, actually. Was she Phyrexian in the last one? Yeah, she's been. Oh, Phyrexian I thought she was just a zombie elf. All right. Um. And another one recently, we have uh, Kaya the Uncastable. Uh, it's a three drop. Or it's a seven, seven drop. drop. <laughs> uh, two white, two black, three. Hexproof. Enters with six loyalty. Uh, plus two, each opponent loses three life. And you gain three life. Uh, you draw, or zero is you draw two cards, then each opponent may scry one. Yeah. And Whoever then, leaked this, it seems like they took a picture with a broken toaster. Because... This is super blurry. Um, the minus three says, Exile target creature or enchantment. 
If it wasn't an aura, create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a 1-1-something spirit creature with flying in addition to its other types. Um, if I see anybody cast this in tournament play, I'm going to give that person a pat on the back and say, you are brave. <laughs> you, you did it. <laughs> um, um, ne- actually, the in the same link, there's a, a next to him is Malkator Purity Overseer, which is a three-drop, one uh, white-blue... Um, and it's a legendary creature, Phyrexian, blah, blah, blah. Uh, when Malkator enters the battlefield, create a 3 3 colorless Phyrexian Golem artifact creature token. And that if you cast three or more artifacts, or three or more artifacts enter the battlefield under your control this turn, you make another one. Um, this would be really good if it was an artifact, because then Affinity could try playing this. Um, but it's a 1-1 one, one for three... And it doesn't really have any, like, it doesn't have art, like, it's not an artifact, so it doesn't help with anything, really. Yeah, all I see is you're getting four power on a board for three mana, um, and Affinity, by the time you can cast this in Legacy turn two, in Modern turn three, uh, Affinity usually won't have any cards in hand. So, yeah. you know, getting the second ability to trigger... Um, you know, casting three or more, unless you have like massive amounts of card draw and you can just keep dumping your hand every turn. I mean, this could see maybe like a modern Urza variant, but I don't, I don't think so. I, think I definitely funny. see it as a commander. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Because there's just a wide variety of cards that can help you refill your hands in blue and white. Um, it, it's just giving you three threes, though. Yeah. It's, it's not fantastic. Especially with, you know, other cards that, you know, every turn, every upkeep make. Three three, um, the original set of leaks. Uh, had um, number of cards, and yeah, I'm noticing here all of them are rare. Uh, but the two biggest ones, um, gameplay wise, that have had people talking, um, seen a lot of on Facebook, uh, in the Infect group. Um, and on Twitter, Venerated Rock Priest. Yeah, so it's a, a one-drop green uh, Phyrexian Druid 1-2. Uh, it has Toxic 1, uh, and whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, target opponent gets a Poison Counter, which uh, I don't know if anyone's been checking the markets lately, but Ground Rift is disappearing from everywhere because of this card. So, Ground Rift is a one-drop red storm card that says target creature can't block. I think that's exactly, more or less, what it says. Um, So, what you do is you cast a bunch of, like, metamorphoses and rituals and all this stuff, and then you Ground Rift all of your own creatures, and you can kill them without even attacking them. Yeah, so it's more like like a storm, uh, poison counter storm? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 gonna be it's people are gonna try it. Uh, the fact that it's just a one-two creature means that it probably won't survive unless the deck is literally built to protect this creature. Um, but I mean, who knows? People are gonna have fun brewing. Yeah, and then one of the things like that this card made me think of, of course, the first um, deck that comes to mind is Infect, and. For a very, very short period of time, Infect was splashing white for Teferi 
time reference. Yep. And I thought that deck was amazing. Like, Infect just took beatings um, for a while. You know, very interactive decks just murdered it. Yeah, Target Removal was Infect's worst yeah. nightmare. So, they decided to splash to Fairy Time Raveler, and I thought the deck was doing well. But then, you know, the scourge of, of Magic the Gathering, Oko, came around. They're like, oh, let's play Oko, which that deck didn't require whatsoever. That deck didn't help Oko. That deck messed up other people's creatures. That's all it did. Yeah. Oko was a terror, but in, in fact, I don't think it was necessary. I think Teferi Time Rivaler was way better because on your turn, you're free to do what you need to do. And I think with that version, I could see Venerated Rot Priest, you know, doing well. Sure. I mean, so this this also effect, or affects not only what your opponent is doing, but it also affects what you are doing. It's any creature bec- you control becomes the target of a spell... It doesn't matter who's casting this spell. So it could be your opponent casting the spell or you casting the spell. It still adds to the infect count. And one thing I realized, especially in infect, there was a lot of times where you would go for the attack and you can max out only at nine infect. Yeah. So you would need multiple you know, turns to attack. Sure. This is, you have your one attack. Yeah. Because you target your creature, they get a poison counter. You target your creature, they get a poison counter. You're swinging with nine when they already have two poison counters. Yeah. That's the game. So, we'll see. This card's definitely going to see play. Um, how long it will last? Not too sure. Um, we get Thrun's coming back. That's kind of cool. Um, he's a five drop. Um, Still can't be countered. Yeah. But he's this time he's uh, three green, or uh, two green, three, five, five. Can't be countered. Trample. Uh, can't be target of non-green spells your opponents control or abilities from non-green sources your opponents control. So, semi-shroud, and then as long as it's your turn, throne has indestructible. So not incredibly relevant unless it's attacking, but yeah. But then I see things like uh, Fury's not going to do anything, even though Fury only does four damage. It's not getting solituded. Yeah, the fact that it can't really be targeted by incarnations is huge. So, um... The only way you're killing this thing is... within. <laughs> ...is a green creature. <laughs> you can beast within it. You can't even use the other one. The, the, the white one. Elephant's Gift or... Gift of... Who cares? Now, a um, card I'm not specifically excited about seeing is this Red Sun's Twilight. has a nice picture of this giant Urbrask statue. It destroys artifacts. It, do, it does destroy artifacts. Um, it, it's two red X uh, destroy up to X target artifacts if X is five or more for each artifact destroyed this way create a token that's a copy of it and those token gains haste exile them at the beginning of the next end step so there's better destroy artifact cards than this um, specifically Brotherhood's ends that just was printed uh, I can't stand that card it's, but it's really good. That's part of the issue. Is I play mostly only artifact decks in every format. So, not a fan of that card. Um, but this one's strictly worse, in my opinion. But, in Commander, this could be super neat. Um, but even then, it's more of a casual card. In my but opinion. I can see, like, in Legacy, Red Prison decks playing this. Because they play they play a lot of Soul Lands. Um, mono Blue, you know, this new deck... Going around gold, uh, mono blue slipknot. 
Um, that's it's it's dreadcast. It's, it's Slipknot. <laughs> um, it's Mike here loves artifacts and in Legacy plays um, a form of eight cast. It's like if you slapped uh, eight cast and um, stifle knot. stifle knot together, and it, it works really well. I'm like twenty six and six in paper. Um, currently top of the league. I'm not gonna brag. But come on, you know, Phyrexian dreadnought, not uh, play slip out the back, slip slip knot. You know, eh. it works. Eh. <laughs> um, um, so the card's probably only gonna see casual play. Yeah, especially like in Legacy, I can I can see that deck playing it. But there's things like Meltdown, Shattering Spree. Um, Meltdown's probably a little bit better. Well, much better, much better. Meltdown is absolutely the best destroyer artifact card in my opinion in the game. Um, we see a return of an old character. Haven't seen him in a long time. Venser. Venser comes back um, as a huge Phyrexian uh, lobster scorpion. Crab. <laughs> a lot of these Phyrexian uh, creatures, or Phyrexian zombies, looks like they have like their bodies attached to crabs, kind of like a shieldred. I, I wonder if, like in Phyrexia, they're just like who's ever like designing. They're like. Mm. Uh, what if we made it look like a crab? <laughs> what about a crab? But we've already been through this. They're every, oh, they're all crabs. And that reminds me of um, uh, I forgot the name of the director, but somebody was talking to him about uh, a movie, and he's like, "Oh, how about we put a giant spider in it?" And and they shot down his idea, but he was kept going on about like the giant spider. And then the next movie he directed was Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> so he got his giant spider. And somebody at uh, Wizards likes crabs. But we have Vincer, Corpse Puppet, one blue, one black. He's a two drop, one three, with Life Lake and Toxic One. And it says, whenever you proliferate, again, which is, seems to be a big uh, mechanic in the set, choose one. If you don't control a creature named the Hollow Sentinel, create the Hollow Sentinel a three three legendary colorless Phyrexian Golem artifact creature token. So not only do we have three three artifact golems, we have three three uh, legendary artifact golems, and the other of the choose one target artifact you control gains flying and lifelink until end of turn. It seems pretty neat. I'm not sure where it'll live, but um, I mean, it's it's a one three four two. Oh no no okay so go up yeah go so up. go up. we we also have like the eternal wanderer six drop. Uh, Planeswalker comes in with five. Uh, no more than one creature can attack the Eternal Wanderer each combat. Um, it can flicker something. It can make a two-two. And then for each, it's minus four. It comes in with five loyalty. It's minus four. Says for each player, choose a creature that player controls. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control. Not chosen. This not way. chosen this way. Um, we have a new Crucible of Worlds, uh, Conduit of Worlds. It's a two green. To generic artifact. artifact, you may play lands from your graveyard, and you can tap it, and it says choose target non-land permanent in your graveyard. If you haven't cast a spell this turn, you may cast that card. If you do, you can't cast additional spells this turn. Activate only a sorcery. Um, seems fun. Phyrexian Arena reprint. Uh, uh, fast lands as well. Yeah. So, the biggest talked about cards before. Uh, seen it for a lot of artifact strategies. Uh, Not even that. It's, it's, it's just overall as well. Yeah, it's a commander card too. Um, the Mycosynth Gardens. So it has the 
land-type sphere. Um, I've seen a few other, I think two other cards with sphere as a land-type. Um, typical colorless land, add one uh, colorless mana. You can pay one, tap it, add one mana of any color. But the reason people are talking about this is its other ability. Okay, so it's X and then tap it. Mycosynth Garden becomes a copy of target non-token artifact you control with mana value X. So there, there's a couple of cards that copying this does some interesting things. Like specifically, my favorite card of all time, Phyrexian Dreadnought. So what happens is Phyrexian Dreadnought enters the battlefield. You have to sacrifice uh, power equal to 12 of creatures you control or sacrifice Phyrexian Dreadnought. So Phyrexian Dreadnought enters, you copy it, and you sacrifice the one Dreadnought to the other. That's super neat because it allows for like a turn one or two Dreadnought with some acceleration and legacy. Um, and it's just incredibly consistent. You don't need like Stifle in your hand, you don't need Torp Orb, you just need this land and a Dreadnought in hand. You can have whatever else you want to. So I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely play with this card. The good thing about it, it's it's not legendary. No, no, it's not yeah. at all. So especially in in a lot of artifact decks and legacy, they play blue um, mostly. But you know, being able to have multiple of these online, and like Mike said, you know, Phyrexian Dreadnought comes in, sack twelve power. Well, with that ability on the stack, just copy it. You know, the land's been on the battlefield. It's not ETBing. You just have a 12-1. Um, I just think it's it's going to make your deck much more consistent. Oh, sure. Um, another thing to consider is you can copy, like, Mad Rocks and stuff with this. Like, Soul Ring and Commander or, like... Yeah. Pretty much anything you want. Um, I think it might see a little bit of modern play and specifically Hammer Time. Maybe Affinity. But Hammer Time, this is a land that can become an extra hammer if you need it. Yes. Which is huge. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've played Hammer Time, and I'm like, man, if I could spread these 10 damage hammers out, and I didn't have, like, a Shadow Spear or something, that's fantastic. And it's literally, like, a lot of people are like, oh, it doesn't actually enter the battlefield, so it's not as good. But Pure Steel is how you get past that. I mean, it's it's really easy. You can also run um, the one creature that, uh, whenever it enters, you can attach a, uh, an art or a equipment to another creature you control uh, you can use that you can also use magnetic theft core outfitter I think that's what it is yeah so you could technically do that as well to, to increase your chances yeah. and I've seen a lot of talk about this in, in as a one or two of in Amulet Titan um, our friend Jacob that we mentioned earlier uh, he's a huge Amulet player um, he's been playing the exact same deck for multiple years and he said he's going to give it a try. A lot of talk is, the, you know, copy an amulet. Now, I see, while extra amulets is what that deck wants on the field, I see it being a little bit harder as, because you have an amulet. Like, you have to have the amulet on the field. So, if you don't have amulet opening hand, or, you know, first draw, more than likely you can Urza Saka. Turn three, you'll have an amulet. Turn three, if you have this land out, I don't know if the deck's doing what I want to be doing. No, because no, you use a land in the process. Yeah, and you're also... Like, you want your colored mana out. So I can see... Maybe one or two? Maybe when they pick up... Uh, like, when they play a Titan, they'll get a Bounce Land. 
like with an amulet on the field to go Titan, get a bounce land, get this, uh, untap them, use the bounce land, make Michael Smith Gardens a copy of amulet. So now you have two amulets on the field. I, I don't know how good that is because you can actually just be giving it haste. Yeah. Plus oh instead. I, I'm not entirely sure how it's going to be, but we'll, I mean, we'll have to but, see. Yeah, like artifact-based strategies are going to love this. And I, I do play Hammerheim in Modern. Uh, also built the deck in Legacy. Um, it's going to be useful. It, it could definitely be useful. Um, and especially if you're copying, like, zero-drop artifacts. You know, somebody goes to blow up your Mox Opal. You're like, I'm going to copy my Mox Opal for free. Yeah. You just have to tap land. Um, there's there's one other card that would be that's going to be super neat is that uh, I think it's called Skrelv's Hive. Um, it's a one drop or two drop uh, white and one colorless, and it's basically Bitter Blossom. But it, uh, during your upkeep, you make a you lose one life and you make a one one might creature with Toxic One, um, and it can't block. Um, but if you control five or more, is it artifact creatures or creatures in general? Uh, all your creatures gain lifelink, which is actually kind of neat. So it's Bitter Blossom, but not making blockers, or they're not flying. Um, so it's, yeah, as long as opponent has three or more poison counters, creatures you control with Toxic have lifelink. So I was a little bit wrong on that one. Um, but, but it's it cool is, you're getting, like, uh, like Bitter Blossom in white. Um, the can't block... It's pretty relevant. Yeah. And you know, like, it can't be used as a defensive card, um, but they all have Toxic 1. Could be useful. Um, I see, you know, some strategies trying this out. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll just have to see. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, I mean, we still are waiting on, you know, the rest of the set. So, for all we know, it could be useful, like... Maybe there's something that boosts Toxic with all these creatures or whatever. And this being a standard legal set, the reprint of uh, the allied Fastlands is is huge. You know, Blackleaf Cliffs makes Rakdos better. Blackleaf Cliffs also at one point was like $60, wasn't Mm. it? Carpalon Gorge, I think it was around like $25. Yeah. Uh, Dredge was big. Um, I think the most expensive one now is Seacrone Coast. Yeah, that's strictly because of Blue White Hammer, I think. Yeah. And Blue White Urza. And so we're getting getting a reprint of Blackleaf Cliffs, um, Copperline Gorge, Seachrome Coast, the Dark Slick Shores. Dark Slick Shores is the blue black one, which. God, I don't think I've seen one played since um, Ad Nauseum. Yeah, I was going to say Ad Nauseum was like the only person. Well, Fairies played it too. And then uh, the white green one. Oh, which hasn't been spoiled yet. Razor Verge Thicket. Yeah, Razor Verge Thicket. It hasn't been spoiled yet, but... It is. It's definitely in the set. Oh, yeah, it, it should be. Because we have, black, like, spoilers with Black Cleave, uh, Copperline Gorge, and... And Seachrome. Seachrome. Yep. Um, new Arts. I like them. They're neat. They're Phyrexian. It's kind of neat. Um, again, Phyrexian Arena. That's eh, a cool card, I guess. You know, the only deck I see that might play it would be... Um, uh, BBC. Yeah. Yeah, Mono Black, Black Door Devotion and Pioneer would like this card. And a lot. the modern one that played um, Urborg and killed you by casting. Gary. Uh, Tormented Hellfire? 
Oh, there's that one, and they also played. Oh, here. and then the black. What's that? Uh, invocation. Not invocation. Oh. It was part of the comic I was at. I don't remember. But it costs too much mana. The more mana it costs, the harder it is to talk about. Like that Kaya. Yeah, God, there's, there's a bunch of other cards, but those are just the ones we picked out there. If somebody's casting a 7 drop Planeswalker and it's not Karn. And it doesn't win the game, or it's like, not. Like, how much is Tybalt? Like, Tybalt's. Tybalt's 6. Yeah. No, Tybalt is 5 2. Tybalt's 7. But. Tybalt can win the game. And Tybalt also gets cheated in. Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody's. nobody's Tybalt, Tybalt, Tybalt costs 2. So. <laughs> but, um. One thing we did want to talk about today is we currently play in a Legacy League at our uh, local shop, Parker Banner, Kent and Wayne in Cornelius, North Carolina. Um, something that uh, a friend of ours, Charlie, started last year. Um, Charlie's infatuated with the Legacy format. Uh, lives it, breathes it, and then plays Tron in Modern. So <laughs> it, it, I don't, it doesn't make too much sense there. But uh, yeah, he's um, been trying desperately to get this league up and running for the last I want to say was it three years now? Yeah, and then last year it it all it all came to fruition. He he did it by breaking it off into quarterly seasons. Um, the first place winner of each season got a, a play mat. Um, uh, last year he chose. The it was the Mistress Factory. Mistress Factories, yes. So, so like for, summer, fall, winter, and spring. Yeah. So I think it's, he started off with spring. Yeah, spring, summer, fall, and then winter was was the last one he gave. Um, and the top two of each season qualified for a top eight. That top eight, um, I'm not sure if I will be streaming it live or just recording the matches. Uh, or recording as many matches as possible to put on YouTube. Um, but that comes the 22nd of this month, 22nd of January, and we have our top eight. And he's doing it uh, somewhat invitational style. Five rounds. Yep. Uh, two rounds, no sideboard. Uh, three rounds with sideboard. Uh, no open deck list. But this league, he... It started off just a handful of players... Uh, and this league takes place on Mondays. You know, most Magic is played on weekends, F&M, everybody knows. It, this league gets played on Mondays. And the growth, it's gotten to the point where there are more people showing up for this league on Mondays than they are for, like, modern F&M. Yeah, so, like, the last the last Monday we had 19. And crazy enough, in, in, uh, the following F&M of that week was also 19 players for legacy. So we are one of the largest legacy communities in the country at the moment, uh, which is crazy. Cause it literally started with basically Charlie and like two other people just bringing legacy decks to practice with. And then eventually started turning it into Monday night legacy. And then now it's league legacy and, you know, legacy F and M's happen all the time. Um, I think a big thing that I've noticed is that a lot of them are former modern players. Like, me specifically, I've played Legacy off and on for years. Um, and I even started with Type 2 way back in the day. Um, but um, people are just kind of burnt out on modern, and Legacy is a lot of fun right now. Um, 
There's the Mono White Initiative deck that's kind of problematic at the moment, but it's beatable. I mean, everyone can beat it. Um, Delver's still strong, but still beatable. Um, it just requires a lot of skill to, to, to sort of dance around. And I, I like it a lot. I've had a lot of fun with the current meta. Um, and the League itself has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and then one of the things with the League is because you wanted the community to grow, like, he just wanted to play Legacy, uh, our friend Charlie. And he, Monday, since it wasn't sanctioned, we'd, we'd allow proxies. And the majority of the people, you know, build proxy decks, try stuff out. It got to the point where they all just started building their decks. Oh, yeah. Because they found something they liked, they enjoyed the format, they're like, you know what, I'm going to get into this, I'm going to invest in this, and so I can continue playing here, and then possibly play in other tournaments. Um, because on Mondays, we'll allow the proxies. Uh, Friday, F&M, no proxies are allowed. Yeah, and then, strictly because it's sanctioned. Yeah, and then everybody's coming with their decks fully built, and and I see that as as the best way to grow a community is play with proxies you know don't don't we, we don't recommend or don't condone you know buying proxies uh, that look like real cards you know if yeah. you're gonna do that mark the cards um, yeah even even writing fake. even writing you know sharpie on the back of a magic card is totally fine if you're play testing you know like uh, I encourage people to to fall in love with a deck before going into it because I can't tell you how many times I've I've thrown money at a deck that sounded like fun, and then I absolutely hated playing it. Yeah, I did that with Jund in Modern. <laughs> I, I, it was like $1,500 or so. Yeah, I bought I bought it at Jeskai Control whenever it was at its heyday, like right when um, the last Dominaria set came out, and they just unbanned Jace. Um, actually, no, this is right before they banned Jace, or unbanned Jace. Um and I absolutely hated playing it. I, I played it for one FNM and I sold it <laughs> the next day. I built that Jun deck and I honestly think I didn't play it at all. Like I lent out the deck twice and then sold it. Because <laughs> I was like, alright. You know, and then I love uh, the most recent iteration of Jun that I played was with Urza Saga. So Saga Jun, Jun Saga, whatever they called it. Um, I like that. I, I like Urza's saga but you know i play hammer i love tutoring up tiny little um hammers yeah hammer's it's a lot of fun it's just kind of linear um that's why i built it in legacy because you know <laughs> i also have death shadow it's more of mid-range you know actual interaction and stuff hammer not so much um so looking here uh current metagame um based off mtgo that's where MTG Goldfish gets their um, data from. We have the top 15 decks, and all these decks are represented uh, in the Legacy League. Um, top being Izzet Delver, we have like one or two Izzet Delver players. No, there's there's like three or four now. Well, it's gone up. And it's, it's, it's pretty consistently the top in the meta, um, but it's not necessarily the top in the leaderboards, so to speak. Yeah, so like this past season, uh, first place uh, in the leaderboards went to our friend Evan, who uh, plays Doomsday typically. Um, but it's it's a wide variety of decks that we play against. You know, 
going from Isidelber the Mono White Initiative, uh, Killian, uh, a regular um, in the league, plays uh, Boros Painter. Um, who, who actually just recently placed, is it 16th? Yeah, he in got 16th. The, uh, Eternal, Eternal weekend. weekend. Was it Philadelphia? Um, or was it was Philadelphia? It? I think it was in Philadelphia. Um, Eternal Week, I think it was like 428 players, uh, and he made it 16th place. Uh, eight cast, we have a few players at the shop. Reanimator. Um, one thing I love about the shop we play at is they will build decks in each format um, to lend players out. I mean, even like Charlie has like four or five decks now yeah. that he he just lends out to people, which is also a huge way to build your player base because whenever you know they they play you know a new format and they they start getting used to it, uh, they'll want to build their own deck. Because I know, like personally, I don't like borrowing decks. Like I'll do it like once in a blue moon, but if I'm like if I like something, I'll just build it myself. Yeah, and like for me, when when I decided to like try to play regularly in the league, um, without playing the deck too much, I, I built eight cast, and I love the deck. Uh, the deck was super fun to play, uh, very consistent. Um, I ended up selling the deck because work schedules and you know I had a legacy deck sitting there. I think it, I went four months, five months without it being touched. Like why am I just sitting on this stuff? Yeah, you know now that I have. Uh, availability on Mondays again. <clears throat> um, probably going to build a cast again. I, I do like that. Deck. It's a great deck. Um, but again, with, with, without Charlie, it wouldn't be possible. Um, he's put up, you know, every every week he's he's putting up the top three on MTG top eight. He's putting uh, his own money on the line uh, for the play mats that the winner gets each season. Um, in between. Uh, doing legacy tournaments, winner duels, where he's putting up all the prize support himself, just yeah. to grow the format that he loves so much. And for that, thank you, Charlie. Um, thank you, Charlie. Shout out! Shout out to Charlie. It, it shows like how much more diverse at our shop, specifically legacy, is than modern. Uh, modern top three decks are. Are, are represented the top five decks are represented at our shop. Even though Crashing Footfalls has fallen down a bit, we see a good amount of Murktide. I'm a Hammerdine player. We have a few Rakdos mid range. I hate Indomitable creativity. I, I don't personally like these like four or five color piles in Modern. They just are gross to me, and the fact that they can't be punished easily is huge. And then we have an ungodly amount of Mono Green drawn. Yeah. Um, the one F and M the other day was like. Uh, four or five players on Tron. <laughs> and then I'm seeing a lot, especially because you're seeing, this is this is why I believe Modern's gotten stale. It's like you're playing against the same decks all the time. Uh, you're going to big tournaments, it's the same decks all the time because people want to play the best deck. Um, last, I believe, RCQ I played, that was Modern. Um, four? Half of the top eight was uh, four color. Uh, Nonsense? Yeah like four or five color Omnath decks which they have died down a bit or quite a bit yeah because of banning of Yorion yeah but it's it's you know it got stale you know I, I'm playing either against four color or I'm playing against Hammer you know I like I like playing against decks like Yogmoth you know Yogmoth has a lot more moving parts to it sure uh, Amulet Titan it's a deck that can kill you on turn two turn three I'd rather see that in front of me than another on math 
uh, grinding station. The deck is exactly what it is, a grind fest. You know, I love I like playing against decks that can win consistently, can win easily, but have to work to get there. Sure. Yeah. I, I was on Grinding Breach for a little while. Yeah, um, and Mike here, uh, if you want to hit up his group on Facebook, he does... Yeah, I, I'm the... Creator. Creator of the Grinding Breach slash Grindcore Facebook group. Um, I've been on the deck off and on for a while. It's it's doing really well right now, um, but at the same time, it's... Modern, to me, is pretty much like Modern Horizons 2 at this point, the format. Because, I mean, everyone's playing, you know, cards for, for the most part. There's there's exceptions. But um, Modern Horizons 2 just sort of cemented a bunch of depth decks at the top. And if you're not playing certain cards, you're falling way behind. And that's kind of where I am with it. I still love Modern, but Modern is boring. Yeah. And the, the format definitely needs a shake-up, I believe. Uh, either in the form of another... Modern Horizons set, which it's again, it's going to be Modern Horizons three. Dark Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings set is going to be a modern set. Um, either that or some unbanning, you know, unban something, uh, and and just shake things up. Let's let's roll the dice and see what can happen there. Um, mm-hmm. But Mike, being the creator of the Grindcore, uh, he calls it American Grindcore. The deck. Um, he also loves grindcore, the music, and and one thing I I scour Twitter a lot. I follow a lot of uh, magic entities, and one of the ones I follow is Mr. Chris Pakula, the uh, the man on meddling mage, the art. Um, and this past December, uh, New Year's Eve, he came out with uh, a list, uh, our powerful cabal of. Dirt Wizards have finally compiled our list of our favorite metal band, metal albums of the year. Uh, me and Chris, or me and Mike, uh, me and Chris don't know each other. Uh, but me and Mike, yeah, we are huge uh, metal fans. Um, we live in, we, we are in like different ends of the spectrum when it comes to metal. But we both agree one of our starts was uh, Faith No More. <laughs> Epic. Yeah. Specifically <laughs> played on the, the radio. <laughs> but, um, Oh, that man! That man has changed a lot over the years. I just <laughs> recently saw like a like a timeline of like what he looked like when he was younger to now. I'm like, oh, he, he's changed. But looking at this top ten list, um, some music here, uh, Mike definitely enjoys. Um, I, I I learned about a few of these bands, the Callous Dow Boys. Let me tell you, I am a fan. <laughs> um, brings me definitely to my teenage years. Um, and me and Mike were comparing them to bands from that era. Um, we are both old, rotting men. So, <laughs> bands like uh, Kyle's Do- the Kyle's Doll Boys specifically remind me of bands we mentioned, Kandaria, um, Glassjaw, uh, Visions it's of like, Disorder. It's like Mathcore. Yeah. I, I just realized their name is a play on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... I looked up one of their videos and it, it was hilarious because um, you, you, you're seeing like some they're, the first thing you notice in the video is they're in the woods and they have a violinist in the band 
and you see the violinist just like everybody's jamming out the violinist is playing and we notice we don't hear any violin in the song whatsoever well not even just that everyone's not playing to their part like their drummer is going at a mile a minute but he's like he's just doing like yeah so it's like standard four like I feel like they went recorded a super heavy song made a video for that and they was just like no we're gonna throw this song in a video instead um it's hilarious very enjoyable um Listening to another one of his songs, Violent, Ast- uh, Violent Astrology. Um, I like them. I, I if you if you like, oh God, I feel like, like calling this old mid two thousands like math core slash like what emo used to be. Yeah, with like glass jaw. That's uh, fun. I, I I would give them a listen. Um, um, so some of the like top picks are like more of my. Stuff like Mismore and Thou, um, Myopia's album, uh, Fantastic Black Metal, um, Chat Pile, God's Country is the first time I've heard it, and that's like post black, and that's sort of like my style as well. I like pretty much black, post black, and death, like death anything for the most See, part. I, I, I like the, we listen to, to a little bit of Chat Pile, and I like the sound. Um, I was just off put by, uh, uh one point the lead singer singing and it sounds like somebody's like ripping out his back hair while singing <laughs> like he sounds like he's in pain yeah and, and not like the way you would hear like um r&b singers you know that they're singing from the soul like this sounds like somebody's literally like poking him with like an electronic prod while he's singing <laughs> i'm like you know but, but it, it sounded good like it uh the sound um something Mike loves. I enjoyed. Um, one of my like bands that I knew on this list beforehand, Lorna Shore. Uh, we have a lot of friends that listen to Lorna Shore. Their album Pain Remains. Uh, it was his. Ended up in the eighth position. Um, it's probably like Lorna Shore is is like the best example of how to market your band. Because, I mean, Lorna Shore was, like, a, a decently known deathcore band, you know, before, uh, especially with CJ at the front. Um, but whenever he left and Will got put in, they started just appearing everywhere. And that's because Will Ramos is an amazing singer, and what he can do with his voice is absolutely ridiculous. Um, one thing uh, I don't like about this this specific album, and it's... I mean, the album's fantastic, don't get me wrong. Um, the mixing, to me, is so muddy that the synth being on the same level as the guitar and the drums is throwing me way off. Like, it's it's just like a wall of sound, and you can kind of hear, hear Will a little bit, um, but it's not... it's not... it doesn't mesh well to me. And it's not necessarily the music that's bad, it's just the... The way how everything just sort of like just gets muddied, and I like muddy stuff, but I don't like like that sort of thing. Like I like I like things being recorded in like a garage or like a tin can. Like like uh, <laughs> it's funny because I always uh, talk about that sort of stuff, but like uh, specifically, there's a band called well, not really a band. It's a two uh, person group uh, called Clowncore. Which they record in like a van or like a porta potty or like stuff like that, where it's super weird, but it, <laughs> it, it sounds fantastic. Uh, I love that stuff, but but this is so overproduced. 
that it's hard for me to listen to, like, periodically. Yeah, I always like the, the sound of, like, records. Like, mm-hmm. I have a small record collection now, um, and I grew, that's what I grew up with, you know? I, I would hear the... Yeah. Like, in the background, um, it, cassette players, you know, that's what I would do. Walk to school, have a cassette player, you know, listen to, to, to music, and it's it's like these these new TVs as well. It's like these super hyper-realistic... Like, it doesn't sit well with me. Sure. Like, like yeah, I like the sound. I like your music. I want to hear it a little bit dirtier. Yeah, totally. I yeah. totally get it. You're speaking oh. my language. And then, speaking of, of Will Ramos, he's in this this new venture um, called The Big Six. Uh, so... We have no idea who's playing the instruments in this band because it's six lead singers. Uh, yeah. Consisting of Will Ramos, Taylor Suffers. Uh, we have Joe Bad from... Fit for an Autopsy. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Fit for an Autopsy, their album in 2021 was pretty good. Yeah. Tyler Shelton um, from Traders Band. Traders, Trader, I don't know, remind me of Trader Joe for some reason. So this is uh, Dickie Allen from Infant Annihilator. Um, probably one of the best deathcore um, singers ever. Yeah, I personally like, of this, I like Taylor Suffers. I like seeing, you know, big guys get their due. And then we have uh, Durs. Lead singer Spite, Darius. So this is... Uh, they, I don't think they came out with the album just yet. No, they've had some teasers and stuff like that, but yeah. But I, I think uh, it's gonna be a big thing for the metal world. You know, totally. six singers from from known bands of their own. Um, but continuing with this this list from Chris Pacula, his top whatever. Uh, me and Mike, um, we decided we we're gonna share our top three. You know, probably don't have a top ten. I listen to a wide variety of music. Um, I don't think you want to. Me to talk about uh, Tones and I, or like Eminem, but when it comes to heavier music, um, some of the stuff since I am big into movies, uh, TV shows, um, that's my main uh, media that I consume. Um, I don't spend as much time researching new music. So when I learn about something, it's learning it through, you know, social media or somebody like Mike or other friends, you know, teaching me about uh, what's coming up or, or, you know, they'll play something new and I'm like, oh, I like that. What is that? And one of the bands that I learned about uh, last year, God's Hate. Um, I'm not even sure if they're together anymore. Um, God's Hate, uh, they're labeled metal. To me, it's more like hardcore. Uh, Lead singer... Is is currently a wrestler in AEW. Um, don't exactly know his name, but album Mass Murder came out in 2016. Uh, I would put this at my number three most listened metal album last year. You know, sure. Still six <laughs> years old, so going on seven years old. All right, all right. It, so it's new to me. <laughs> all right. Um, number two. For me, it's, it's going to be a split between either Levels by Fame on Fire or Techno by Electric Cowboy. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. When I learned about Electric Cowboy, I just 
put that on. I listen to pop music as well, um, and electronic, like EDM music. And this was just like so happy, upbeat. I'm like, oh, this, this yeah. is nifty. And then just I don't know where breakdown and like yeah, yeah. loved it. Um, and then I would say my number one for last year, uh, Iceland Kills. Welcome to Harwood. Uh, went and saw them live at the Fillmore last year. Wonderful show. Um, but that would be my top three. Mine's going to be totally different, um, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so last year, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of like music I could really sink my teeth into, and I, I've been delving into a lot of weird subgenres of metal. Um, so like, I've been looking into some of the more obscure stuff. Uh, my number three though is something that it it's from a more popular band uh it's specifically a tech met or tech death metal band uh called fallujah they released their empyrean album last year almost under the radar um i almost didn't even remember that it came out until uh i saw it in my my itunes account automatically um this album is absolutely fantastic um Fallujah is a is a tech death metal band, which means it's like it's it's hard to play and it's but it's it's neat to listen to and it takes a lot of like skill to play. Um, specifically, that Fallujah likes using these weird like almost like ethereal like not breakdowns but like pauses in songs that I I totally am into and they've been doing it for a while. Um, Specifically, my favorite song on the album is one is the very last song. It's called Artifacts. I'd, I'd recommend giving that one a try if you want to see what this this stuff is about. Um, my number two goes to uh, White Ward's False Light. Uh, it's funny because one of my friends is giving me crap about the album cover because it's just like a an old dilapidated barn in like a cloudy sky. Like that's the album cover. That, that's literally it. Um, I recently found this band, uh, I want to say maybe the last, like, four months, because a friend of mine played one of their songs, uh, in the room that we were working in, and it's like a mixture of, like, it's post-black, but it, it throws in, like, noir jazz, so, like, it sounds like a mystery movie, like, from the 50s and 40s. Uh, mixed with like straight up like tremolo picking and like blast beats, it's it's wild. I love this album. I love this band. I definitely recommend them. Uh, but my number one actually goes to a, a traditional death metal band called uh, Artificial Brain. Specifically, their the last album they released this year or last year uh, is their self titled. Uh, even though they've been around for a little while, uh, the music is brutal but beautiful at the same time because it's it has those really deep death metal growls like the very like old school like cannibal corpse style uh but the music is very well done and it's it's it has like an ambient element to it which is fantastic i love any sort of ambient music where they they like have this like depressing overtone uh of all their like the way that the songs feel it's just it just hits you, and I, I can't really describe that sort of feeling other than just listen to the new Artificial Brain. Specifically, my favorite album is, or my favorite song in the album is uh, Celestial Cyst. 
<laughs> I know, super fun names, right? Um, give them a shout. Um, they're fantastic. Um, any sort of like death metal band is fantastic, but this this is like top three best death metal albums I've ever listened to, and I've been listening to death metal for since I was like fifteen. So yeah, that's that for me. And one more thing we wanted to talk about here. Um, big, huge football stadium tour by Metallica. Um, yeah, Metallica sells out stadiums. We know this. They've been uh, doing that for they, they, decades. Going on tour. Uh, what got me about this tour is the return of Pantera. Yeah. That's big news. So I looked it up. I was like, oh, Metallica on tour, you know. Then it, it didn't phase me too much. And then I saw the, the the lineup, and I was like, wait, what? So apparently uh, Phil Anselmo and Rex Brown um, spoke with the estate of uh, the Abbots, uh, Dimebag, uh, Daryl, and uh, Vinnie Paul, um, and got permission uh, to revive the name, put the band back together. Uh, this time, their guitarist is Zach Wild from Black Label Society. Yeah, Zach Wild with uh, Ozzy. Yeah, yeah, he he is a legendary guitarist. Yeah, which at first apparently there was some hesitation at his point at his part to to join. Um, I don't exactly know the reason behind it, but I can only can yeah, or I can only think that it had to do like Zach Wild is like or was uh, Dimebag's best friend, and everyone knows. That he's Dimebag's best friend. Um, but I can't say anything bad about him. He's a super nice guy. I've met him personally. Um, Zach Wilde is a fantastic guitarist. Absolutely fantastic. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to see them on tour again. Um, one thing, I actually, I've seen a few videos of them playing, is they have to down-tune all of their music in order to allow Phil to be able to, to sing to a level he can. Um, Phil is sounds actually pretty good. Um, surprisingly, so. he's gone through you know the, the drinking, the drugs. Um, he cleaned himself up uh, a couple years back, um, and and is making a comeback. Yeah, he actually can like sing again, which is crazy to me. Um, considering like if you hear some of his interviews, you know, uh, eight nine years ago, he sounds absolutely terrible. Like, almost like it's, he has a hard time speaking. Um, but now he sounds fantastic. Uh, especially for his age and for, you know, with the things he's done to his voice. Um, I I, I want to see them at some point. The only issue, like, so Metallica is like a band I grew up on. Um, yeah, and same with Pantera. Uh, but I, I think they're so goofy. <laughs> It's like it's like my dad trying to start up a metal act and being okay at it, you know. Nothing, nothing fantastic these days. The the um, single they just released a little bit ago sounds like something out of like um, uh, Ride the Lightning a little bit, uh, but it still sounds goofy to me. I don't know if it's like James is singing or like yeah, it seems just like the, like James can't lower his octaves anymore. Like he, he's done with. Any sort of screaming or growling. Yeah. Like, he also... I know he he did have that accident when he got burned on stage uh, a long, long time ago. 
Um, and I think that's what affected his singing the most. But, you know, they're still out there. They're still doing it. And what I appreciate about this tour, which I'm probably not going to go see because they're not coming. Uh, I think the biggest stadium for us down here in the South would probably be uh, Mercedes or Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Um, they're not going there. The closest we're getting is either Foxborough in Massachusetts or um, wherever the hell the Dallas Cowboys play. Um, yeah, it's too bad about Five Finger Death Punch. God, I hate that band so much. <laughs> so the way they're doing this is it is a two-day concert. You buy tickets for the concert. Your your one ticket is good for both things. Um, so the one at uh, Foxborough Stadium in Massachusetts... Uh, Friday, August 2nd, you have, uh, I believe it's Mammoth, WVH opening up, then Pantera, then Metallica. And then Sunday, August 24th, you have Ice Nine Kills opening. Wait, so you get Saturday off? Yeah, you get, you know, <laughs> James, James and Lars need, need a day off in between. But does Metallica play on Sunday too? Yeah, they play both days. Oh, uh, two complete different sets. Um, but that, that, that Saturday off is weird. Um, so for Sunday, August fourth, Lars, <laughs> Lars needs to rest. <laughs> uh, five finger death punch and then Metallica. Uh, but um, yeah, and also forgot here joining Metallica on drums would be uh, Charlie Benante from Anthrax. Oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah, he, he's he's rounding out the the foursome there, and I hope after this, you know. Pantera does have their own tour. Uh, I've seen them live twice in my life. Uh, would love to see them again. Be cool to see some new music. Yeah. Um. Especially with uh, Down because uh, the band Down, uh, Phil Anselmo's, uh one of the projects he did after Pantera, um, they were actually uh, playing a show recently as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually. Uh... I saw a recent Down concert before they announced this, and I'm like, wow, Phil's actually sounded pretty good. And then, like, literally a month later, I heard about them getting back together at Pantera. And I was like, oh, man, okay, now I'm a little excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one thing um, I want to show here, it's, it's hilarious. So, we grew up a lot with the whole, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's rock. And you've seen, you know, growing up a lot of live shows... You know, the, the lead singers upstage, you know, smoking cigarettes, drinking beer, alcohol. Um, one of the sponsors for this Metallica concert, uh, which Metallica has their own brand of whiskey, so of course they're going to advertise it, uh, blackened American whiskey. Um, but the other one, Liquid Death, water. Yeah, it's literally just, just water. Just canned water. So, stay hydrated, folks, especially in the it's pit. Like, it's like, that's so false advertising, because like... You remember the band Eagles of Death Metal? Yeah. They're not death metal. <laughs> They're like a pop band, or like a pop rock band. I was so disappointed because I was like, all right, so we get to see here, like, hear like Eagles covers, but death metal style? No. None of that's, none of that's true. And you I, could probably sue for that now. And I think you could sue for anything. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, I just think canned water is weird. Um, Southwest Airlines used to offer. The brand was called Blue, and it'd be water in a can. And I'm used to, you know, you open a can, you're having a beer, you're having a soda, you know, a seltzer. But, like, you open a can, you hear the because no matter what, you open a can, you're going to hear that. And then you take a sip, and it's 
water. Like it's just it's probably just another bougie thing. So uh, coming up, like I said, uh, August or January twenty second, uh, we're gonna have either videos or live streaming of the Legacy League top eight. Is that on a Sunday? Uh, yes. Okay. So um, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, Wizards uh, has an answer to these leaks. Um, maybe they did it on purpose because it's Phyrexia. Maybe this is how they're leaking it and no... Well, I mean, they've done this before where, like, some things leak through sets and they're like, we had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, this, this was um, massive. So we'll see if Wizards has any response to that. Um, do... Try to see before the next episode. Try to watch uh, uh, The Whale. Brandon I've heard Frazier's, it was good. Yeah, I keep hearing... Like, I love Brandon Fraser. Yep. Like, growing up, one of my favorite, like... I was like, oh, Brandon Fraser movie. Let's watch that. I think he's hilarious. It's Cedo Man, one of my favorite movies. Um, what's the one he did where he was stuck Going in the with ground? the Polly Shore, not the Mummy. Literally one of the best action films of all time. Yeah. Yeah, no. no I, I'll go with Cedo Man 100% over that anytime. Because if I think of the Mummy, I think of The Rock... That was only the second one. It doesn't matter. And it was it was in it for literally five seconds. I think the mummy. I think like I, the start the, the 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 start of the Rock as an actor, and he wasn't even in the movie. It was CGI the Rock. Hey, it's, it's, oh no, he was at the very beginning for like a second. He played the same exact same character he's playing now. You know, <laughs> the Rock. The only difference is, is back then he wasn't wearing like a safari outfit. Uh. But um. Yeah, hopefully come back with a review of The Whale, uh, the wonderful Brendan Fraser's return to acting. And He never really left, it's just he sort of like had a bunch of really terrible movies and had to take a break. Yeah, it, it happens. Like Nicolas Cage. But God. Nicolas Cage also was in so much debt that he was just taking on every role. Come on. What what has he been in lately other than like I remember he was in that Left Behind movie that was straight oh, to D V D. He he was in um a movie where he played himself. That's like um, all of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this man chose <laughs> the weirdest roles. Uh, massive talent. Uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. <laughs> um, so the 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 premise of the movie unfulfilled and. Facing financial ruin, actor Nick Cage accepts a $1 million offer to attend a wealthy fan's birthday party. Things take a wildly unexpected turn when CAA operative recruits Cage <laughs> as an un- <laughs> for an unusual mission. So That sounds almost like a Steven Seagal movie. Uh, but yeah, he plays himself. Like He knows he's, he's in debt. And, and it's, it's very loosely based, because he had nothing to do with the CIA. Sure. Ever. <laughs> he wishes. Um, but yeah, he was just taking on every role possible for... Uh, to try to get out of debt, but uh, I'm I'm happy to see him, you know, coming back. Um, Nicholas Cage had a lot of wonderful, iconic movies, like Vampire's Kiss. Well, um, what's that? Leaving Las Vegas. Like, <laughs> yeah. That movie was great. Raising Arizona. Um, so I guess if it's city named, then then he's good. The Rock. Yeah, The Rock was Sean Connery, iconic. But yeah. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. A bit more info. Uh, I believe it should also be season 
three RCQ season three coming up for probably be standard. Um, Ugh. Well, no, the, the they already announced it's going to be Pioneer uh, at again? the regional championships. Uh, this one should be in Dallas um, sometime in June or July. But RCQ season for that's coming up, and uh, we'll see what else we'll bring you. Once again, we are the go-to response. I am Marvin Reyna. Michael Garisich. And um, keep it tight, folks.